Hi, and welcome to Journeys to Belonging podcast with host Dr. Eileen Winokur, featuring awesome educators and leaders who share their journeys, advice, and personal stories about feeling a sense of belonging. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Journeys to Belonging. I'm really excited about my guest today because she's somebody that I, I feel like I've known for a really, really long time, but it hasn't been that long. I used to hear her voice on the radio many, many years ago. And even though I'm not really knowledgeable that much about hip hop music, I, I used to listen anyway because I liked, I liked hearing her. And so Farah Bashara, I'm so excited to have you on my podcast today, AKA DJ Bonita. Thank you and so much for having yeah, me. Welcome, welcome. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, so I didn't really say too much about other than your hip hop, you were on the radio. So tell us, tell our listeners more about you. Well, uh, first of all, thank you for the sweet introduction. I had no idea that you listened to me on the radio. It's always a surprise to me when people tell me like, oh, I used to hear your show. And I'm like, what, really? Wow, you don't realize you reach so many people until somebody comes up to you and says. Sure. Um, but yeah, uh, it's been a wild ride, honestly. Like I never thought I would be where I am today doing what I do. Uh, I was a marketing major in college and all throughout my life, I was, a creative person. I love music. I love art. I've always been a very hands-on kind of person. So anything that I can do with my hands, anything that involves, you know, just being a part of that process um, mm -hmm. was always so interesting to me. So um, I come from a family of scholars and academics. So I was the odd one out where they're all like, oh, why aren't you, you know, excelling in math or science? And I was like, I just don't get it. It just didn't <laughs> click with me, you know? Right. So growing up, I was very, very involved in music and school. I was in the high school band and choir, and I studied music theory. And even when I went to college, I studied for uh, one year in San Diego when I was taking interior design. And that was the closest thing I could do that was artistic and at mm -hmm. the same time a little, uh, you know, acceptable as a career path. So there was that. And then I came back to Kuwait and continued marketing um, because interior design program in Kuwait wasn't super strong at the time. So, uh, but during that time, I was like, man, I love music so much. I was just trying to find any way possible to be involved in music, whether it was for myself or sharing it with people around me. Like I would make uh, CDs for friends and like, it just kind of snowballed, like life snowballed for me. Like the whole music thing, it was just, um, I worked at a bank for five years, mm -hmm. and during that time, all I could think about was, oh my God, I wish I had a radio show. Oh. <laughs> and I just want to, talk, to talk about music to everyone all day, every day. So <laughs> then one day, I just like took the biggest risk. I handed in my resignation, had no idea what was next for me, and I went to the radio station. I was like, hey, would you hire me? Like, <laughs> no introductions, wow. no nothing. And they're like, okay, well, we'll give you a shot. Let's see mm -hmm. how you do. And yeah, it just kind of 
went on from there but it was it was awesome it was a great experience yeah 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 well we're obviously going to get a lot into that but the first question i usually ask my guests farah is if i say the word belonging or feeling a sense of belonging what comes to mind uh for me music i mean it's a very broad term to use mm-hmm. but uh music in all its forms has always given me a sense of identity it's given me a, a feeling of community so growing up um being what people now would call a band nerd like i had my band friends with me and um people who loved hip hop music were people i could relate to and mm-hmm. you know we talk about our favorite albums and lyrics and artists and uh being like an odd child growing up and i was super quiet and it was very hard for me to make friends sometimes uh just having something that i could hold on to that was that i felt was just for me you know so it made right. me feel like i belonged to something greater than some middle school drama or what have you so it it, it has always given me a greater sense of purpose a sense of belonging a sense of identity and yeah in all its forms not just hip hop but music in general Yeah, I I love that that the way that you can look at the different genres of music and the community that it creates, how you felt you just it was the right place for you. Like you said you worked at the bank, but it just didn't feel right. You wanted to have your radio show. Um so yeah, so I'm I'm excited to get, get into more of that. So Obviously you you've mentioned it you loved listening to music and sort of DJing from what I've read in an old article you you sort of pretended to be a DJ for a while before you actually became a DJ but what if can you sort of go back a bit and pinpoint where your interest in music started and was there that sense of community from the beginning or did it just feel like you belonged it it was just your place So uh when the internet first happened which was you know I I don't think this generation even understands a life without internet but right. when the internet happened there was this website called fanfam.com and it I just randomly stumbled upon it and it was like a forum where you could speak to or like chat with a whole bunch of hip hop aficionados from all over the world oh, and nice. I was the youngest person on there I was like 11 and <laughs> during that time like i loved hip hop and music so much and i didn't have anyone to speak to about it you know in the way that i felt like i wanted to express my thoughts and emotions about it so yeah. i was on fanfam literally like the minute i would come home from school i'm logging online i'm like fanfam.com all right let's see what's new and like i would talk to all these people yeah. from all over the world and uh, it just kind of felt like i had people who understood what I was feeling inside. Mm-hmm. Growing up listening to hip hop music as a child, technically I was like 10 years old when I really started to get involved in it. Uh it was not really popular during middle school and everybody's like why are you listening to this? Why are you listening to that? So it wasn't something that I could connect with someone over. Mm-hmm. And um being able to go online and just speak to people after school about, you know, your favorite song or your favorite album and artist, it just felt like all right, I know eventually like I'm going to find where I belong in this whole thing. Like regardless of whether I can share it with someone in person or it's just something for mm-hmm. me like that I can keep 
to myself. Uh, yeah, so after FanFam, and of course now there's, you know, the internet is in the palm of your hand, so it's easy to connect sure. with people from all over the world. Uh, but growing up, it wasn't always, it, it wasn't always sweet, you know, it was just, it, it cemented the oddball status that I had, like, oh, she's the weirdo, that she's, you know, she's just doing her own thing, like, nobody really understands, like, why Farah is the way she is. But uh, it, it was, I don't know, it's just something that speaks to you and it, it feels like, it felt like I had a greater purpose before I could understand that I was yeah. going to go on this path. Yeah. That's really interesting. For, for those of our listeners who don't know much or anything at all about hip hop, and of course, we're talking about a hip hop lover in Kuwait. Uh, what was it probably about? 15, 20 years ago, maybe, that you started really more than that. Oh, gosh, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to date you. <laughs> five years ago. Wow. Years ago. I was wow. seven years old when I, when I first listened to a hip-hop song that I could, like, actually understand and, you know, and, yeah. and not feel like it was too explicit for me to listen to and enjoy. And then ever since I was seven years old, it just kind of became greater and greater and greater and now it's all all I feel connected to yeah <laughs> so so tell us about hip-hop and then take us from there what is that connection that you feel is it the lyrics is it the music itself but tell us a little bit more about hip-hop to start off with for those who aren't really familiar with it so hip-hop is a uh, musical genre slash culture that was birthed in New York in 1973 um, there are three DJ slash founding fathers. You have DJ Cool Herc, Grandmaster Flash, and Africa Bambata. Oh my gosh, I was gonna <laughs> have to test my knowledge every once in a while. Yeah. But yeah, um, so hip hop has, I guess you can say five, you know, five pillars of mm -hmm. hip hop, as you would say. Uh, the foundations being a DJing, MCing, graffiti, uh, b boying. Uh, breakdancing and knowledge. Knowledge being the silent pillar that nobody really talks about, but knowledge is what a lot of people consider an important aspect of hip hop. Oh, wow. So for me growing up, understanding that and, and listening to music that was very conscious and was talking so much about the importance of individuality and being comfortable in who you are and not conforming and not feeling like you know, you had to be a certain way to, you know, succumb to whatever society was pushing on you. Right. That to me spoke volumes, considering all of the things that I was going through as a child and as, you know, a, a teenager and a teenager, mm -hmm. it just spoke to me like, I can be myself. Uh, I'm allowed to be myself. I'm allowed to take space. I'm allowed to express myself in the way that I feel right. is true to who I am. Mm -hmm. And even though my family wouldn't tell me so, or my friends wouldn't tell me so, or society wouldn't tell me so. I had hip hop telling me that everything I was doing was perfectly fine. And it, it just gives you a sense of comfort that is inexplicable when you're that age and you're trying to figure everything out. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing because uh, I've had other guests and, and most of them are educators talking about their students and themselves finding a sense of self-belonging, I call it, where you have that 
idea about self-worth, uh, self-efficacy, uh, self-confidence. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting that you found it within hip hop, the culture of hip hop, the lyrics, I'm assuming, mm -hmm. uh, like you said, the knowledge base of hip, hip hop, that that sort of gave you the confidence because you weren't hearing it in within the culture here. And right. obviously you didn't feel like you fit in, which isn't really belonging. And so you felt that it, it was just, there wasn't, it was something that just wasn't making you happy. You didn't feel, it didn't feel right to you. Mm -hmm. And it's so awesome that at such a young age, you happened onto hip hop and were able to find that sense of self belonging within that community. And so, yeah, what, what, did that, what did that look like along the way? So somewhere in the early 2010s, you became a DJ uh -huh. playing hip hop. What was the reaction of, of people who were listening? Because, and at what point do you think people in Kuwait or the, you know, the Gulf area became aware of and began to enjoy or listen to hip hop? So I think in the past decade, hip hop has become more of a pop culture mm -hmm. facet than it is just a culture in itself. Like it's become more popular to dress in street clothes. And you know, there's like a whole streetwear culture that back in the 90s was affordable and focused on a specific, you know, socioeconomic background and, and group of people, as opposed to now where you know, you're spending thousands of dollars on a pair of sneakers. So now it's it's more accessible for people to listen to hip hop and say, you know, like, oh, that's cool. It's cool to listen to hip hop. It's cool to dress like you're a part of the culture. And it's cool to, you know, reference lyrics and rap artists and all of that. But back when I was younger and when I was starting the radio as well, the, 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 the people at the radio station were like, okay, are you sure you want to do this? Because, you know, we might have to kind of change the way that you present your program because not many people are going to be into it. And my point was not to, I wasn't trying to force something on people. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't want them to, you know, like, like I just wanted them to understand why everything was so important rather than just like, oh, it's a great song. Like, what's the meaning behind the song? Like what yeah. samples were used? Like what other genres are we pulling to create this track that we all know and love, you know? So yeah. it like, it, it was more important for me to educate rather than just put out what's cool and, and mm -hmm. play music that I knew people would enjoy. There are some songs that I personally don't enjoy, but they're still so important to the culture and other genres of music that we are still learning about that I just feel it's so important to to let people know like hey you're listening to something that came from something else and and that's the beauty of it you know it's not just like one complete package that came to you the way it is so breaking it down and letting people understand why what they're doing now is so cool and has been cool for you know almost 40 40 40 years so right yeah, it's not just something new that came out of nowhere. Like there's history mm -hmm. behind it and the history is so beautiful and it's so rich and I just want everyone to appreciate it and love it the way that I do. Oh, that's so cool. You also mix music, right? 
Yes, I yeah. <laughs> and and is this? I mean, did you did you take a course or or is this all self taught? Oh my goodness! <laughs> so my story with DJing is pretty funny because I've always wanted to be a DJ, but I just didn't know how to, you know, how to start, where to begin, and like the the YouTube videos that I watched had tons and tons of equipment and I'm like oh my gosh am I really cut out for this like do I have to go buy all of that and do I have to learn how to do this but DJing at its essence is storytelling so however you choose to tell your story is you know whatever medium you choose you're still technically DJing so when I first began I did not have any hardware I just had um, a software on my laptop which was not even like a full-size laptop. It was a tiny little netbook. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. So I started um, Love it. mixing music through the software. And then one day I was like, you know what? You, you got to do this. Like, you got to get the hardware. Like, come on, you can't just continue this way. So yeah. I bought the hardware. And for months, it stayed in my closet because I'm like, man, I am so scared to, to touch this. <laughs> like, I didn't want to mess it up. And I was like, okay, you know what? We'll give it a shot. And then one day I just spent hours and hours i'm like okay what does this do what does that do and like it just it just went on from there and it was amazing so then i upgraded my hardware and i i i just i tell everyone who's interested in djing like it doesn't matter what you have it's what you're trying to say yeah right i love that i never thought of djing as storytelling but even when you just listen to a, a radio program wherever you are in the world in whatever language, the reason why listeners listen is because of the stories that are told. Right. Uh, the stories about the musicians, the, the music itself. And I, I just think that's so cool. I just never, I never even thought about that. So is it hard to mix music? How do you, how do you sort of, what do you think of when you're, when you're mixing tracks? Because I know that when I've heard DJs who have done that, uh, it's really amazing that they're able to put things together so seamlessly that they seem like they were recorded that way, but they right. weren't. <laughs> it is, it is a, a pretty technical skill, mm -hmm. but I think it's more about feeling than it is about what you're thinking. So mm -hmm. when I'm feeling a certain way, it's expressed through the songs that I choose and the songs that I choose have certain lyrics that, you know, pertain to the situation or whatever it is that I'm trying to say. So sometimes, uh, for example, a song will say, I don't know, back to life, for mm -hmm. example, back to life. And if you would just repeat the terms back to life, back to life, back to life, and then mix it into a song that also talks about life, you're just kind of connecting, I see. you know, connecting that sentence, you know, so it, it's all like each song is a word and you're just building a sentence and then building a story throughout right. this medium. So um, however you understand the music, however you, you, know, you recognize lyrics, uh, the technicalities are secondhand. You know, everything is about feelings. So if you're bring, bringing this story together seamlessly, it's, yeah, it, it, it doesn't matter what you're thinking or what everybody thinks about the music. It's what you're trying to say. And so that means you have to have a really deep knowledge of music and yeah. lyrics and all of that, but which means you, I guess you have to have that passion for it because if yeah. you don't have that passion for it, 
basically what you're doing is just memorizing it without any kind of real deep feeling. Right. That just doesn't sound like very much fun. No, I, you can tell, like listening to DJs for the past decade, like I, I listen to DJs from all over the world and I'm trying to study their technique through sound. Mm-hmm. And you can tell who knows what they're doing or like who really loves music or who's just doing it for the fame and the popularity and the publicity. And like, it's so, so easy to tell because there are some DJs that are not technically sound, but will tell an incredible story through music. Like you're just listening and you're just like, what? Like, I can't believe he just did that. Or I can't believe she just makes yeah. those two songs together. Or like somebody pulled a sample from the 1960s and mixed it into a song that's like playing on the radio in 2015. And you have to know, you have to like break down music and you have to love it to be able to do that. If you don't love it, then the whole set falls flat. Like everything that Mm -hmm. you're trying to do just feels lifeless. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, people can tell that the passion isn't there. And I guess uh, from what I read, you're a musician yourself. Do you still play instruments? I do, I do. I've actually made a pact with myself to learn one new instrument every year for the next five years. Oh, Um, wow. (laughs) I love that pact. Yeah, I mean, it's important to to learn, you know, how to play an instrument, how to recognize musical Mm -hmm. sounds, how to read music. Music theory is the very essence of everything that we do in life. Like it's math, it's science, it's sound, like to bring that all together and just be able to manipulate that to also express, you know? So playing an instrument to express an emotion that you have is very, very incredible feeling. I played clarinet um, in high school for about six years. Mm -hmm. And my band teacher was one of my biggest inspirations because she, I guess she saw something in me and she would push me to do, oh, everything every auditorium session every play every this every that she's like you have to join you have to do this you have to you know yeah she's like come to my office after class and I'll you know perfect your technique and this and that so she was very very adamant on honing in my skills and yeah uh, I'm so so grateful to her and she made me love music theory and instruments more than anything else and uh, I still play clarinet I play flute um, I learned how to play the ukulele last year, which was my <laughs> biggest Oh, wow. <laughs> I love it. Oh. Thank you. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was tough because like my, my hand-eye coordination needs some work. So I was like, man, how am I going to do this? So yeah, it was, it was awesome. I actually learned it during uh, lockdown last year. And I got a ukulele for like 4KD and it was like nothing. I'm like, okay, cool. We can do this. We can do this. <laughs> So I have an alto sax um, on its way, inshallah. <laughs> That's my next instrument. And I'm very excited. Yeah. Yeah. Big, big wide. Yeah. From ukulele to auto sax. Yeah. Alto sax. Amazing. Yeah. I can't, I can't wait to, you'll have to do sort of a one woman show when you, after the five years, sort of take us through your journey of music. Oh, I thought you meant like have the harmonica with the alto sax and with the, you know, like the, the buskers on the street that play everything all at once. That could be an idea. I just don't picture you doing that. No, definitely not. I'm not there yet. But yeah. yeah, I'm still excited to learn. And, and music gives me that, that joy of like constantly wanting to discover everything. Yeah. 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 
And I also know that you opened a store called Vinyl Destination. I had no idea. I'd heard about it, but I had no idea until fairly recently that it was yours, that, you know, it was your idea. When did you open it and how's it going? Um, I know under the circumstances, probably different than you expected, but tell us a little bit about, about what it is and what you sell. So uh, Vinyl Destination was started in 2018. It's been a dream of mine for honestly the past 10 years. I started collecting vinyl in 2010. And um, with the progression of technology and everything being digitized and everything's on your phone and everything is so accessible, yeah. uh, having a physical form of music has always been so special to me. Even as a child, like I still have all my cassette tapes, all my CDs and the joy of like unwrapping uh, a CD when the album first drops and like checking the liner notes and seeing all the credits. Like it's such an intimate experience and I'm so happy that vinyl is making a comeback and to be able to, to bring that experience back. Yeah. And uh, I would travel all over the world and go to visit record stores. And I was like, man, why don't we have something like that here? We really, really need not just a, a musical community to be built, but also just to have a shared experience mm -hmm. where everyone can come together for the love of one specific thing and just be able to be together for that. And okay. Vinyl Destination started as a pop-up because obviously like, you know, licensing and getting a mm -hmm. store and all that stuff would have taken too long. So I was like, we can do a pop-up. So I started a pop-up in 2018 and continued popping up in 2019. And I sourced records from all over the world, from China, from the UK, from Italy, France, Egypt, Lebanon, literally wherever I can get my hands on some really cool records, I will do it. And um, obviously with COVID now, we can't have any pop-ups or, or do any mm -hmm. fun events. So everything has been online since COVID began. Okay. People shop for records online and I try to maintain that experience of, you know, a person-to-person -person moment. So mm -hmm. whenever you get your record, you have a personal handwritten note explaining like, oh, this album is great because this, this, this. If you like this, then maybe you should check that out. So wow. uh, because these are experiences that I had myself when visiting record stores all over the world. You know, you'd have an employee come up to you and be like, oh, that album is great. But if you like Cannonball Adderley, you will love, you know, this Miles Davis random album, blah, blah, blah. So it's it's cool to, you know, yeah. them discover too. So, Yeah. So I love that idea that you're replicating that same atmosphere. Isn't that yeah. awesome? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's harder to do when you're not in person, but mm -hmm. I still try to get the message across that, hey, we're, we all love vinyl. We all love music. And, you know, if I know something that you don't know, I'm happy to share right. it with you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Great. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So doing two very unusual things. As, as far as, you know, the culture here, perhaps other places also, uh, it's, it's really wonderful that you had been able to feel that self-confidence and understanding of yourself through hip hop and be able to continue with that rather than taking a, a regular job, let's say, like working at the bank and either doing this on the side or listening to the music, but being uh, very 
unhappy because you really didn't feel like you had your community. So I, I just I just love this about your story. And of course, for those who are listening outside of Kuwait, Kuwait has a, a you know a, a very open culture in some ways, but also there are stereotypes of what you know girls and boys should do or the kind of careers that we should have to a certain extent. And so uh, it's wonderful that you've been able to break out of that. And of course, mentioning that you had a teacher who pushed you to learn the basics, which is really helping you now appreciate that music that you're learning about and studying about, it just takes one person in your life to really help you gain that confidence and about yourself. Um, so, and yeah. she evidently believed in you a lot. So that's, that's really awesome. Yeah, yeah. she's great. I'm trying to find her. If by some cosmic chance, Ms. Kalasar, you are listening to this podcast. I love you so much. And I'm so grateful to you. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I remember one time uh, we had like a JV arts uh, event at our school and you had to choose between either, you know, actual fine arts or choir or playing in the band. And for once I was like, man, let me try out choir. I haven't, you know, joined a choir troupe in like a really long time. So let me go. And I remember her busting into the room like halfway through our rehearsal and she's like, you need to come with me. You need to be in the band. I'm like, what? <laughs> it was it was hilarious. But it, at that moment, I knew like she was really serious about mm -hmm. making sure that I knew that she believed in me. And that is something I carry with me. Like, no matter what I'm doing in life, music related, I'm like, Miss Kalasar, she fought for you. Don't let her down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, hopefully um, we'll see if, uh, if this podcast helped you reconnect with her, that would be really awesome. Yeah. Farah, this has been really terrific. Uh, is there anything else, any other advice or anything else that you wanted to talk about that I didn't ask you about before you well, finish up? Well, a lot up? of people ask me um, what they should do in order to pursue a career in something that they love or that they feel strongly about. Yeah. And the one thing I can say is just do it. If you're going to sit and think about society says, or mm -hmm. will they accept me? And will it make money? Which is a, a concern that a lot of people do have. Sure. You have to ask yourself if your love for this and your feeling of purpose towards this thing is much greater than all of these things. And if it is, then mm -hmm. just go ahead and do it. And I swear it is the most rewarding thing in the world to know that I'm living my life doing what I feel like I was born to do. And yeah. if you feel like you have that in you, that you feel like you don't belong to whatever thing that you're doing in your life right now and that you should be doing something else, mm -hmm. give it a try. Give it a try. You don't have to go all in, but at least don't go through life thinking that you didn't give that one thing a shot. So, yeah. I love that. It's, it's true, finding your purpose, finding your why, and then from that, really deciding, is that something that I really want to pursue? Will mm -hmm. that make me happy? Will that make me feel a sense of belonging, find my community, just like you did, and then take it to the next level? And yes, just do it. Just totally. do it. 
Yes, <laughs> which, which is, you know, something that many of us who are not risk takers often wait and wait and wait, like me, I waited <laughs> until I retired almost until to do many of the things that I really wanted to do all my life. But to, to feel that you're doing it right now and to have that self-confidence is really awesome, Farah. It's Thank been you. such a pleasure having you on the podcast okay. today. Where can people find you if they want to hop off and look for you after this podcast? And of course, I'll include that in the show notes too. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. First of all, this has been an absolute pleasure and you're so uh, warm and inviting. And I love talking to you. It was like talking to an old friend. Um, if you guys do want to connect somehow, or if you have any questions about music or beginning a music related career, uh, you can find me on Instagram. It's dj.bonita, which is B-O-N-I-T-A. Um, and then I have my email address, which is linked to my Instagram account. And yeah, let's chop it up. <laughs> yeah. One more question, which I don't yeah. usually do after I ask, where can we find you? But I forgot to ask you the origins of DJ Bonita. Oh, <laughs> just for me, I can oh, cut okay. it out for everybody else, but I want to know. Well, the first hip hop song that I fell in love with was Bonita Applebaum by A Tribe Called Quest. And it was just like, a, it was regarded as one of the most unique love songs in hip hop culture during that time. And, you know, it survived many years and, and people still reference it and they love it so much. And it, it's just one of those songs that spoke to me that I was like, wow like this Bonita that they're talking about is so cool and she's so like self-assured and you know this is who I want to be <laughs> bear in mind I was like eight years old so <laughs> wow yeah so wow. Um, yeah so A Tribe Called Quest is one of those bands uh, that I still feel so strongly and mm -hmm. you know full of love towards and through my DJing career I was able to meet all of the members throughout like traveling Unbelievable. And, yeah, wow. it was awesome like DJing has opened so many doors for me and networked me with so many great people but uh meeting my childhood heroes basically was one of them and I was like oh my god do you know that like my DJ moniker is basically after your song and they're like yeah we know <laughs> <laughs> it was so hard not to fangirl but I'm like man like they, they changed my life you know they're the ones that yes. were always expressing individuality and you know, yeah. they were the oddballs of hip hop culture during the 90s. So I was like, man, these are my people. Like, this is my tribe. Yes. So yeah, they made me, me feel like I belonged when I was younger. So I owe it to them to at least yeah. name myself after one of their songs. Uh, <laughs> I love that story. You are a great storyteller. Now I know why you're <laughs> such a wonderful DJ. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Thanks again, Farah. This was terrific. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you're inspired by what you heard, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about belonging, check my website, Journeys to Belonging, that's Journeys number two belonging, dot webstarts.com. See you next week.